Blog Talk Radio. Sixers Report with your host, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky Blomain. So it finally happened. Ben Simmons is now officially a Sixer. Uh, welcome back for a post draft edition of the 76ers Report. I'm your host, Jeff McMiniman, alongside ESPN insider Michael Kasky Blomain. And we'll get to, you know, a pick by pick analysis in just a little bit here. Uh, we're now on iTunes, so make sure to check us out and rate us on there. And as always, you can follow us on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. Uh, so, Mike, you were down at the Barclays Center on Thursday night. You know, what was the reaction like from both the crowd and the media when, you know, that surprise of a pick, Jalen Brown, you know, his name was called to the Celtics with the number three pick? I think that was probably the surprise pick of the draft and, uh, you know, the reaction from the crowd and, you know, people around me in, in the media area kind of matched, uh, you know, the surprise of the pick. You know, he was obviously projected to be a lottery pick, but I don't think anyone had him pegged going that high. Uh, and especially to Boston, I think, you know, most people were assuming that the Celtics were either going to, you know, trade that pick um, or end up taking Chris Dunn, uh, you know, as, as had been reported prior to the draft. So when they went with, you know, when no no trade went down and then they went with Jalen Brown, there was, uh, you know, certainly a lot of commotion from the fans at, at Barclays, but it wasn't necessarily, at least from what I heard, it didn't necessarily sound like cheers as much as just like, you know, like surprise and commotion and a little bit of confusion. Uh, I don't think a lot of people knew exactly what, um, you know, what the Celtics were thinking with that one, considering, you know, other players that were on the board. But, uh, you know, I think that was definitely the surprise pick of the draft, at least at least at that point, since, uh, you know, one and two went as uh, as everyone suspected. Were you a little surprised that, you know, the Sixers weren't able to, you know, move up for one of the top guards and, you know, were you a little surprised instead of maybe taking a, a point guard like Demetrius Jackson with one of their later picks, they opted not to take a point guard for, you know, immediate help next season? Yeah, both of those things were surprising. I think, you know, a lot of us expected there to be um, some trades going down on draft night with the Sixers, mostly regarding, you know, either a Noel or an Okafor um, move. And even, you know, from throughout that day when I was in Brooklyn, from people that I was talking to and things that I had read, it definitely sounded like the Sixers were 
you know, extremely active, talking to a, a handful of teams. The Celtics were mentioned, the, the Timberwolves, the Suns, and uh, the Kings were all, uh, you know, mentioned as teams that the Sixers were in contact with about trying to get back up into the, the high lottery there. Uh, so I think there was a lot of momentum. There was, you know, one report that came out, I believe, from Mark Stein of ESPN that said that the Sixers were offering as much as Noel, the twenty, uh, the twenty-sixth and the twenty-fourth pick, and Covington, which, uh, you know, was quite a haul. Obviously, didn't end up going through. So I, I was definitely surprised. I think it, it might have ended up being a good thing that nothing went down, but it, it was definitely a surprise. And uh, the the two later picks, I think you and I were both agree at this point that they were good value. I was a little surprised that they didn't end up going with a you know a point guard in that situation either. Uh, Demetrius Jackson or uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Dejounte Murray was you know another guy that I, I thought would have been you know nice to take a flyer on at that point in, in the draft, considering uh, you know the Sixers obviously need some guard play. But, uh, you know, you can't really disagree with either either pick that was made. They got good value, I think, both ways, especially, uh, you know, I think I think uh, Lu is going to be a solid player and a guy that can maybe even contribute, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, so, you know, I think overall everyone is pretty pleased with, um, you know, Colangelo, you know, how he handled his first draft. Yeah, I, I was actually down at, you know, the Sixers draft party at Eakins Oval on Thursday. Very impressive event from the team. You know, all positive things to say about that for me. Um, you know, I, I think they definitely did that event very well, and they probably won't have one in the future at least. Let's, let's hope not uh, where they're in a position at a, a top five pick, but uh, we'll see what happens in, you know, the next couple of years here. But, you know, you, you probably saw the reaction video on ESPN of, of the madness that ensued after Ben Simmons was picked at number one. There was also, you know, a large contingent of Sixers fans down at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn for the draft. Mike, did you get to interact with, you know, any of the fans that were all down there? And, you know, what did you think of the Sixers fans as a whole, you know, representing the team Thursday night? I thought Sixers fans did an awesome job of representing the team on Thursday night. I was actually uh, joking with a couple of the media members that it, it seemed like it could have might as well have been at Wells Fargo Center. There was definitely mm-hmm. uh, definitely more there was more Sixers fans there than you know any other fan base uh, by far. Uh, I did I interacted with a few uh, you know as I walked through the main concourse a little bit before the draft, uh, mainly just commented on some of their jerseys there was a wide variety of you know both new and old Sixers jerseys there uh I saw a Drew Holiday um you know an Okafor MB Nerlens uh a couple I saw a TJ McConnell jersey which is you know I didn't even know existed but yeah I mean overall <laughs> there was tons of you know tons of support for the Sixers and I think you know everyone pretty much knew and assumed that Ben Simmons was the guy but it, it's nice when you know, a fan base can be behind uh, a, such a huge decision like that. You know, I think basically everyone was on board with Simmons being the guy, and luckily the Sixers didn't try to outthink themselves and, you know, go somewhere where they didn't need to go. They took, you know, the, the probably the best player available. And, uh, you know, I, I did see the video from down at the uh, <clears throat> uh, down at the draft party. It looked like a great time. And, uh, you know, it's just nice to see the fan base finally feel excited and rewarded uh, you know, for about something after the past few years and how difficult it's been. Yeah, it was very great to see, you know, Allen Iverson and Julia Serving 
uh, down at the Sixers draft party, kind of ushering in the new era of Sixers basketball. Uh, it kind of felt like a passing of the torch in a way. You know, it's been 12 years since the Sixers had a true franchise player to build around. And now, you know, the Sixers could potentially have two if Joel Embiid, you know, lives up to his full potential. Is it nice to, you know, finally hear kind of the national media coverage sway more to recognize the Sixers as a team that could be, you know, very dangerous in, in just a couple of years here? Yeah, it's definitely uh, – it's going to take some getting used to because we're going to be getting some national media coverage in general now just with uh, – you know, a young talent like Ben Simmons, who already kind of has the star persona. Um, you know, he already obviously has a Nike deal. I just saw that he has a deal with uh, Beats by Dre. He's obviously in um, commercials, Foot Locker, uh, Nike. So, I mean, off court, he's he's already has kind of the star persona. So it's it's kind of, you know, nice for the, the team to have something like that. As you, you alluded to, there really hasn't been that sort of a – you know, figure in the in for the in the Sixers franchise since Iverson left. Um, you know, kind of a, a real superstar franchise caliber player, and uh, you know, I think Simmons really. A, a lot of people think that he has the potential to be that guy for the team going forward. Uh, you know, I I think that everything is in place for him to do so. I mean, the opportunity is certainly there. So I think uh, the the national attention that the Sixers will be getting this season. I mean, it won't be hard to beat what it's been the past few seasons. Yeah, yeah I mean, Simmons sees... Uh, sorry, yeah. I mean, Simmons sees himself as being able to play, you know, positions one through five, if need be, in the NBA. I can't remember, you know, a, a Sixers player from the past ever being, being able to do this. Uh, you know, how important is position versatility in the NBA today, in your opinion, and you know, what does that say about Simmons' level of talent, in your opinion? Well, I think that's what makes him such a great prospect because I, I feel like he's, like, tailor-made for today's NBA. Like you said, basically position versatility is is super important in today's league. It's, it's almost getting to the point where it, it's almost a, a positionless game. You know, they're, they're used as labels for convenience to talk about, you know, where – where players are playing, but as far as the game itself, you see that, you know, the the teams that are succeeding are the ones that have players that are able to, you know, play multiple roles in multiple positions and switch on on defense onto, you know, multiple players uh, and just have that versatility that you alluded to. And that's basically what Ben Simmons game is built upon. He, you know, he prides himself. He was talking about it. He talked about it on draft night in Brooklyn to, to us. And he talked about it again at the press conference on Friday um, that, you know, he, he can basically play one through five and he prides himself on that ability. Uh, you know, his versatility, he's talking about being the, uh, you know, the primary ball handler for the team. So I think, like you said, they, not only the Sixers, but a player with that sort of, sort of skill set and versatility and size that, that he has, he's, uh, you know, at the draft on Thursday was the first time I, I actually was, saw him in person. I was, you know, stood next to him for the, the media questions and he's, you know, very, very tall and, uh, you know, especially compared to, I was very uh, surprised by seeing Brandon Ingram in person. Uh, you know, he's, hmm. everyone, everyone knows he's skinny, but I mean, that dude is skinny. Like he is real skinny. So comparing, <laughs> uh, you know, like that, that body type to Simmons who 
just looks already like he has a you know a, a body and a build that could stand the uh, the NBA style of play. So uh, you know, overall, I think he he's just in a position that he can impact the game so much uh, from so many different levels that it it would be almost difficult for him. You know, the the ceiling for him is so so high, but I feel like the floor is not very low just because he's he can contribute in so many ways that the chances of him not being at least like a, you know, a solid contributor, a very good player on this team is, it's just so low. And I think, you know, like you said, the, the, his versatility and to play different positions is huge in, you know, today's NBA, because that's exactly the way the league is going. Once again, this is a 76ers report. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Kasky Blomain. And, you know, so the Sixers went international with their picks at number 24 and 26. They selected Timotei Luwawu of France with pick number 24 and Firkin Korkmaz of Turkey with pick number 26. Uh, Luwawu is expected to join the team this summer after buyout of the rest of his contract in France, while Korkmaz looks to be more of a draft and stash to come over maybe in a year or two from now. Mike, what do you think of these two selections? And do you think that Brian Colangelo had it in him? You know, did you think he had it in him to draft these two uh, over some of the more well-known names available at those picks? It's it's funny because they they almost seemed like hinky picks. You know, you know yeah. they, they were they seemed like they were guys that may not like you said they weren't quite as known as well known as maybe some of the the guys from from that have been playing college ball as opposed to international players. Uh, but I think they were value picks. You know, they were – both of them were projected higher in certain mock drafts, and I, th- I think they were, uh, you know, definitely in the range of basically best player available and the skill set. You know, all three players drafted were, you know, versatile forwards who were six, seven, or taller and could play, like, a couple different positions. So, it's you know, it's pretty clear, like – the, the prototype that the team was drafting for they obviously wanted that versatility that you know you alluded to uh in the last question so it was it was funny <laughs> listening and listening to Colangelo try to pronounce the names uh at that press conference <laughs> uh you know it made me wonder if maybe he he was the one behind the decisions or if you know some of the other minds in the front office kind of recommended these picks to him because like, as you said it's uh you know, it seems like it was he might have went in a different direction. But, you know, overall, I think he – both picks, especially, you know, Luwalu, who, as you said, is expected to join the team this summer, um, could could really be a contributor, you know, for the team in the short term and going forward. So, um, you know, the my only possible complaint would have – or not even a complaint, but thing I might have done differently would I would have, would have been looking toward a point guard with one of those two picks uh maybe with that 26th pick but you know at the same time Corkmas is uh you know obviously has a lot of potential and is on the same team as Dario Saric so uh you know I think both decisions were justified and they seem to be well received by the fan base as well yeah I did tweet out you know just how funny it was him trying to pronounce the names at the press conference. And, you know, yeah, they did bring in Ned Cohen. Yeah. 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 They did bring in, you know, Ned Cohen too, uh, who, you know, did a lot of draft evaluating uh, in the NBA front offices and kind of came out with their big board for NBA.com. So, you know, one does wonder whether or not, you know, he was the one responsible or, you know, if other people in the, 
front office were, you know, kind of feeding him the, the picks to take. But, you know, Colangelo obviously, you know, drafted Andrea Bargnani and Jonas Valachunas as general manager in Toronto. Uh, so, you know, is Colangelo maybe more of a European scout than maybe we've, you know, given him credit, you know, for so far? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely possible. Uh, he's, you know, he definitely knows his stuff in, in terms of players and the game itself. So, you know, I'm willing to, like like we said earlier on our earlier episode, I'm definitely willing to give him the benefit of the doubt at this point until he, you know, he proves, proves me a reason not to, um, you know, which might have happened had that Celtics deal gone through uh, that, that was reported. I think, you know, he might have been saved from himself by that, that deal getting turned down, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he so far obviously he he's received universal you know uh, praise for his draft this year. So so far so good with the Sixers. I think we have to you know kind of just keep that attitude in regards to things that moves that he make until uh, you know like I said until he does something that that proves otherwise. And the next step will obviously be free agency coming up here in, in the next couple of weeks, and it'll be. Uh, you know, extremely interesting to see what direction he goes in in a free agency, especially with the uh, the amount of money that the team has at his disposal. Yeah, I think a lot of Sixers fans kind of had an eye-opening experience to, to Brian Colangelo on Thursday. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of giving him more of a benefit of the doubt, um, where before, you know, they, they thought of it more as a nepotism of, of him getting the job and kind of you know, the negative reaction surrounding Sam Hinkie's departure. Um, I, I did see that a fan had, you know, a sign at the Barclays that said, you know, Hinkie died for our sins or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, so, you know, do you think that Sam Hinkie is just constantly going to be following around Brian Colangelo or do you think, you know, if, if Colangelo is able to make a splash, maybe in free agency this summer and maybe, you know, trade Okafor Noel as well for, for another piece of this team. Do you think that, you know, things might sway into, you know, Colangelo as being a good GM for this team? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely possible. I think that it's the it's just the truth that, you know, Hinkie and Colangelo will kind of always be tied together. In, in terms of this, this Sixers rebuild, you really can't, um, you know, you can't talk about what Colangelo does or is able to do coming up in the future without <clears throat> acknowledging how he, you know, what got him to that point in the first place. And he, he said as much at the press conference himself on Friday, uh, you know, it was one of the first things that he said was, um, you know, how that they were had so many tools at their disposal because of the work of his predecessor so I, I think to you know to a big extent those two will always be tied together, but it was like eventually you know at this point now all the moves being made are by the you know by the the ideas of Brian Colangelo. So I think you know the more he does with the team, he's obviously going to start to differentiate and dis- distinct and distance himself from Sam Hankey. and you know it's entirely determined on what moves he makes. Um, you know the reputation he builds as with the Sixers fan base. I think he's off to a good start, you know, so far with the draft. And I think, you know, depending on how well he does in free agency, uh, which is the next, next, you know, big test for him with this team. I think if he does, 
you know, a decent job in, in free agency, whether it be, as you said, like a trade with Noel or Okafor or just picking up, you know, a couple solid veteran guys that can come in and help the young guys and balance out the team a little bit, and, you know, a couple shooters and guards and point guards. Um, then, you know, I think he'd be off to, you know, two two great, good, solid starts between the draft and free agency. And I think at that point, Sixers fans would start to acknowledge at least that he has the potential to be uh, – you know that that it could be a, a dual effort rather than having to pick one side like uh, like either Hinky or Colangelo. It could be well Hinky did a good job setting them up, and then Brian has done a good job of continuing what Hinky started. Um, but then of course, obviously, if he basically undo does all Hinky's work with poor decision making, then that'll also sow his own fate. So you know it'll be really interesting to see what he does. Like I said, it's free agency because I think that'll start to. Uh, you know, get a, get a, give us a real idea of what he's going to be like as the GM of the team. Let's, uh, you know, go back to those later picks for a little bit here. Uh, you know, Luwawu was rated by most mock drafts to go as a top 15 pick. He averaged, you know, 14.6 points, 4.8 rebounds, 2.8 assists, and 31 minutes per game in the Adriatic League. He's Six foot seven, you know, with a very long wingspan. Do you expect him to, you know, fight for a starting spot at small forward next year? And you know, what do you think of the pick overall, Mike? I don't know if I'd expect him to compete for a starting spot, but I do, you know, based off what I've been able to see and what I've read on him, I do expect him to be able to compete for, you know, time in general and be able to be a contributor. Um, I, th- I think his comparison on uh, his NBA comparison on, on NBADraft.net was Fabo Cephalosia. Uh, you know, hopefully he mm-hmm. can produce a little bit more on the offensive end. But I really, I do like the the comparison and the fact that you know Fabo was is and was uh, you know a very good defender. He was you know huge for that those Thunder those early Thunder teams that went to the finals in the Western Conference Finals a few years in a row. Uh, you know, and he's a, he's a guy that could play multiple positions on that end. He could probably guard, you know, a point guard if necessary, two or or three. Um, and you know, Luwalu has has similar size and athleticism. So I, I think that alone is, you know, will give him the ability to compete for time on the court. As you said, you know, the, it, it goes to the versatility factor. I think he's a, you know, he's a, a perfect example of a player that's versatile that would fit well in today's NBA. So I, I think, um, you know, like I said, I think it was a good value pick. Definitely. Uh, like you said, he was projected higher in some mocks, uh, as high as I think 14 or 15 uh, in, in some that I saw. So to get him, you know, in the, in the twenties and to have a guy, like a guy that can potentially come in and contribute, uh, you know, right away and fit in with the mix of some of these other younger guys that will be hitting the roster this season. I definitely think it was a, it was a good value pick. Yeah, another pick, you know, Korkmaz also hovered in the top 15 pick range for a while before kind of dropping to the mid-20s closer to draft day. You know, none of his stats will really blow you away. 5.1 points, 1.4 rebounds, 0.7 assists in 13 minutes per game as uh, Dario Saric's teammate at Andolo Aces. He did shoot 39% from the three-point range, however, and is thought of, you know, kind of a, as a lights-out shooter. Do you, do you expect this pick to realistically be, you know, something valuable in the future? 
or do you think this was more of a decision to kind of save an open roster spot for the team, you know, next season? I think it was uh, one of those, like, really nothing-to-lose scenarios. Uh, Colangelo, Brian said multiple times that he it was doubtful that, you know, the team would be adding three first-round picks to the roster in addition to, you know, Embiid, possibly Saric, and all the other young guys already on the team. So I think – it was it was probably assumed that if the picks weren't traded um, on draft night, which they obviously didn't end up being, that at least one of those two later picks is probably going to be either, you know, like a, a draft and stash or, or something along those lines. So with that being considered, I think they got a guy that, you know, they take, he's not going to contribute now this year, maybe not next year. But, you know, if he can, can grow and play professionally overseas and get better, maybe a couple of years down the line, he'd become more than contribute. If not, like, really no, you know, he was a late first-round pick, nothing. It's really expected out of them at that point anyway. So I think it was one of those. Uh, and the fact that he was teammates and with Sarich obviously can't help the, or can't hurt the situation either, especially with them trying to get him over here. So, uh, you know, I think it was just like a no, really nothing to lose pick at that point. They knew that he wasn't going to be on the roster this year. They don't need him necessarily to be on the roster this year. But, uh, you know, a couple of years down the road, if he develops into a stud or a good guy that could contribute uh, somewhere, then they can obviously pull him over. And Colangelo and Brown did get to see him, you know, up close and personal a couple of weeks ago when they, you know, went out to, to visit Sarich and, you know, try to get this this contract situation worked out um, to get them, you know, over here uh, this summer for summer league and, you know, get them on the roster uh, for next season. Um, you know, whenever they give an update, either Brown or Colangelo, it always seems like they're saying, oh, yeah, we'll know in a couple weeks, we'll know in a couple weeks. Well, you know, it, it seems like, you know, things are, are stalled a little bit here, you know, when do you think we're going to actually get a definitive decision from Saric and how realistic is it that he does indeed come over this summer? Yeah, I think it's kind of surprising that we haven't even heard, you know, anything yet at this point. Uh, I think it was reported, obviously, that we were supposed to hear something a couple days ago. Uh, I think the absolute deadline is Honestly, I'm not sure, sometime in early July. But, uh, you know, I've said all along, I think he really does want to come. The team obviously wants him here. It's, it just comes down to it being a, a business decision. Uh, you know, if that can get handled to the extent that, that he could come over here, then, you know, I think that's that's his ultimate goal. He said that really since the day drafted him back in 2014, That and his ultimate goal is really just to play in the NBA. I think the timing would be ideal this summer. I think both he and the team knows that to come now, uh, you know, when the roster isn't really formed yet and he could come in at the same time as Embiid and Simmons and they could all, you know, come in at at the same year as kind of like a core rather than, you know, maybe potentially wait another year and then who knows if the same even roster space or opportunity would be available a year from now. Um, But it's definitely something, obviously, that I think we should be hearing from you know, sooner rather than later. So, Mike, were you down at that, uh, you know, introductory press conference on Friday or no? Yeah, yeah. You were? Okay. Yeah, I mean, what do you, you know, think of what Colangelo had to say in terms of all the picks um, and, you know, what kind of stuck out to you 
besides, you know, them starting the, the press conference about 30 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that's just come to be expected at this point. Anytime they, they announce a press conference, I think you should automatically add like 20, 25 minutes to it. And that's, that's about the right time. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, <laughs> other than him, other than him kind of stumbling on, uh, on the names of, you know, Corkmas and the Wally, uh, I, I liked what he said a lot overall, really. He said that, you know, that they had offers to, you know, they could have moved up into the teens with those picks, but they thought that, uh, you know, they'd be able to really get the get the target they had their eyes on where they were, so they stayed pat. Uh, you know, he basically pr- kind of reinforced patience, which I think he, he basically, he the, what I took from his comments at that press conference was kind of mainly reassuring that, you know, like he wasn't just going to, like rush this process that that has started, like to make this team, you know, marginally better into next season if the opportunity is not there. Like he he said that they are going to continue to, I think his exact words were build the right way. He said that like once or twice throughout the, the press conference. Uh, so I think he he was kind of just showing that you know he's obviously he's here to make this team better quickly, but it's not like he's just gonna. Sell out. He like. I think it, he realizes the importance of some of the the assets that he has. So overall, I think you know at this point, Sixers fans should feel pretty good about you know his handling of everything at this point, and it'll uh, you know just matter what he does going forward. And you know, for for a couple months here, uh, the national media really drilled the point that, you know, it seemed like Ben Simmons didn't want to play in Philadelphia. You know, he, his main goal was to, to kind of get pushed off to the Lakers with the number two pick. Um, that would make his, you know, Nike deal more valuable and, you know, all, all these bogus reports. And, you know, in the last week or so, between him working out with the team and, you know, showing up on the Jimmy Fallon show, kind of <laughs> repping the Sixers secretly, um, and just, you know, everything he's said about the team the past week, you know, how great is it to to kind of, well, one, silence the national media as well as just hear how excited he is to really play here? Yeah, there's and there's nothing that the national media could cook up at this point, you know, to try to make a, a story he said and done all the right things. And I think, you know, he's, he's made it abundantly clear before the draft and since after the draft, you know, when he was talking about what made him want to do the workout last Tuesday, uh, you know, he just said that he wanted to be the top pick all along in the draft. So, like that was it. There wasn't, it wasn't like when the Sixers were awarded the top pick back in May at the, at the lottery that all of a sudden he like didn't want to be the top pick. It, he wanted to be the top pick. And I think, his familiarity with, you know, Coach Brown and some of the Sixers, like, organization helped, uh, you know, in the long run, too. And, you know, at this point, I think he is excited about the opportunity to really just be, uh, you know, to kind of be the foundation of, like, a young Sixers team that could build up into something. Uh, you know, he said that they informed him even before his workout on Tuesday that, that he was going to be the top pick. He kind of did the workout because, you know, it's what the team wanted and he wanted to give them – you know, everything that they wanted to feel confident to make him the top pick, which was his goal in the end. So, you know, there's no way to construe that. He he was totally perfectly happy to come here and he's happy to be here now. Uh, and like you said, I think that that is pretty good to, you know, it's just good to hear for the fan base. He really, he seems to be embracing it, you know, between the, the Instagram post and even the cheesesteak and, 
you know, just everything. I think he, he's definitely excited about the opportunity, which in turn, you know, makes the fans excited. It makes you feel good when, uh, you know, when you know a guy wants to be here. Uh, you know, just a year ago, Okafor's career with the Sixers got off to, you know, a much, much rockier start. You know, he there was obviously rumors that before the draft that he wanted to go to the Lakers. He did not want to come to the Sixers. And mm-hmm. the whole, you know, jer- jersey dropping situation, <laughs> which which was nothing, obviously, but blew up into something with the national media. So, I mean, just to, to avoid all of that with, with the, a guy with the talent of Ben Simmons and just to get off to a good start with, you know, the guy that's going to be the face of the franchise, I think it's a, you know, definitely a good sign and something that the fans can be excited about. Yeah, Ben Simmons made it abundantly clear that you know, he wasn't going to toss his jersey and, and get into that same kind of, uh, you know, national media outrage uh, that happened with Okafor. It looked like he was actually attempting to put it on, you know, after the press conference ended uh, jokingly and, and kind of, you know, made everyone in the media room laugh. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very important to, to know how dedicated he is and, you know, how – I guess impressed are you to to know that, you know, he's kind of been working out with LeBron James the past two months and, you know, taking his brain about, you know, how to become the best possible basketball player he can. I think it's great, to be honest with you. I, I think it can do nothing but help. And, uh, you know, just being around him for, you know, the, since he's been drafted a couple times with the Sixers now, he just comes off as very composed. Uh, for, you know, especially for his age and for the hype that he's been dealing with for the past year, I think you know he's uh, he's already learning well, kind of how to handle it, all the like attention and pressure, and kind of just be able to push it to the side. And there's obviously nobody better to kind of be a mentor in that area than LeBron, who's been you know the probably most famous basketball player on the planet since before he was even drafted when he was back at, at St. Vincent St. Mary's. So, you know, I think having him as a mentor for just even off-the-court stuff, I mean, let, obviously he there's no better, you know, guy to emulate, especially for a guy like Ben Simmons on the court. But, you know, just to, for Simmons to be coming into the city of Philadelphia now with, you know, a whole lot of expectations, basically the franchise on his shoulders, um, you know, obviously sponsorships, you know, money, uh, opportunities, the things he never had before. And he seems, so far, he seems like he's handling it well. I think his support system, you know, his his parents and his family, um, obviously Brett Brown, I think, will be a huge help there. But, uh, yeah, I, and the, the whole relationship with LeBron, I do think it's great. I mean, I, I felt, I feel LeBron is, you know, a pretty great role model as far as athlete role models go. Um, you know, I think he could do a lot worse of guys trying to emulate, you know, his major his worst, you know, career mess up has been the decision, nothing off court, no scandals, no nothing. So I mean, I think he's uh, he's handled the pressure of his entire career. So Simmons can only, you know, just learn from him, and I think he's uh, he'll soak it in. And what were your, you know, what was your opinion seeing, you know, his parents uh, in the media room the other day, and uh, you know. Did you get to see, you know, them embrace with Brett Brown? And, and uh, you know, what's your overall opinion on their support? I think it's great, to be honest with you. I didn't know his family situation really whatsoever. Uh, well, I, I mean, I knew about his dad, obviously, and, and their connection with Brett Brown. But I, I didn't 
point realize how uh, you know how close that he was with his parents and that the support system that had developed you know that, that was developed there and I think you know that's obviously just always a, a great sign for you know athletes to have uh, you know a support system at home like that and then to have the, you know the really unique kind of like crossover connection to his new head coach who you know he he's known for his whole life to kind of be like an extension of that support system you know, because Brett could obviously relate to his family life as well as what he does on the court. I think it, it'll it'll help, obviously, some people not to, you know, keep harping on Okafor or, or whatever, but, you know, last year when he was going through some issues early in the season, a lot of people were pointing to, you know, the lack of a, a support system, whether it be, you know, whether just on the court with the roster or off the court, um, whatever he had going on. I think that's something that won't be – an issue with, with Ben Simmons, and I was kind of reassured to, you know, see the, the bond that he had there with his with his parents and, you know, their closeness, obviously, with, with Brett Brown, who I think, and not to mention that he, he deserves it. It's, it's very exciting for Brett to finally have, you know, a team shaping up that, that he could really start to, you know, dig his teeth into and do something with after having to make the best of, uh, you know, the, the lineup over the past three years. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely that, that's always a big thing to kind of have that support system, whether or not it's family, coaches, or even friends. You know, you don't want those cronies hanging around in the Iverson days that kind of got them into trouble at times. And I, I think, you know, there's no red flags in that department when it comes to Ben Simmons. Um, so before we wrap up, I mean, was there anything, you know, funny – that, that you saw at the NBA draft, um, you know, on, on Thursday night that you wanted to share? Uh, I mean, I was main, my main takeaway was really just I was impressed with the Sixers faithful showing out and how, you know, excited everyone really is for to get Simmons. And then I really feel, you know, in, as when I was working at the draft, I, you know, I couldn't express one way or another uh, my feelings, but it, it definitely felt good to, like, it really felt kind of like a new era for Sixers basketball just when, uh, you know, when Adam Silver said that, you know, with the first pick and announced Ben Simmons, it, uh, and the chance went out, but I'm sure you felt the same way at the draft party. Like I said, I, I saw the video and everyone going, you know, absolutely nuts with the selection. You know, to me, it just really felt like something that, like a clear like a new beginning that I think, you know, you'll remember being at that draft party. I'll, I'll certainly remember the reaction of the crowd at the Barclays center. Uh, and I'll remember, you know, here being there and watching his Spence Simmons name get called by Adam Silver. Uh, mainly, I think it's just like a, an exciting time going forward. Now there's, you know, that some of the struggle that was, you know, I think we agree was probably necessary to get to where we were, but still it wasn't, always super fun to watch or even to cover. Um, you know, I think that's kind of in, in the rear view now, and we're definitely heading toward a, uh, you know, a, an exciting time. So it was, you know, it was great to be there. It was my fourth draft in the past five years for uh, three different outlets. It's, you know, one of definitely one of my favorite nights of the year. And I always feel lucky when I, when I get the opportunity to get down there and cover it. But, uh, you know, especially as a, as a Philadelphia guy in this particular draft, and, you know, our first first overall pick in 20 years, it just felt, uh, you know, like I said, it just felt like a, a new start for, you know, a team ready to kind of turn the corner. Completely agree. And, yeah, you you definitely nailed it. The energy was just so high. You, you could feel it 
um, at the draft party. You could see it on on screen at at uh, the Barclays Center. Um, I guess one one funny takeaway I, I can say from the draft party was, you know, one of the the special guests was Eric Snow, and he was you know almost unrecognizable just how much bigger that he's gotten. And I don't mean bigger as in, you know, stronger, but, you know, when Eric oh, walked on stage to talk, it almost looked like Derek Coleman was walking on stage. Uh, you know, he, he was just about, you know, four sizes bigger than he was when he retired. Uh, we're able to, you know, see Eric Snow from that event. I did it, man. I missed that, but I'm definitely going to have to Google that because, uh, <laughs> uh, I definitely like to see that. But uh, you and I both got love for Eric Snow, man. That's a Sixers legend right there. <laughs> of course. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, once again, this is the 76ers report. Uh, what a week, you know, it's been for, for Sixers fans across the region. Now it's time to, you know, focus on free agency and summer league and everything else. Uh, but as always, you know, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks. Back in 